0: I love it when we come to the Lord's table and think about the Lord's grace and his gift of life to us. And I love doing it on the day of our anniversary, on the day of Thanksgiving, as we're thinking about the Thanksgiving season. I love it that our constituting comes around that time because we th- we're thinking about Thanksgiving in particular anyway. And to be able to think about it, uh, or in general anyway, to be able to think about it in particular about all that he has done is such a glorious thing. We're not continuing in our Malachi study this morning. We'll be back to that, Lord willing, next week. Today, I want us to think a little bit about the blessings that God has given us and what our call is. I want us to be reminded a little bit this morning of why we came together eight years ago and why this church was formed and the statements and the, uh, and the uh, purposes for which it was formed, the, the things that we said would be our goal, would be our drive above everything else. If you look out here on the wall, just out in the foyer, you'll see the three statements that we began with. We're going to be a church that's going to love God, love one another, and try to reach our world for Jesus Christ with the gospel. That has been the foundation of everything we have sought to do for the last eight years. We put worship first, loving God, expressing that love. So as we say often, we come into this place, we come here for no purpose other than just to worship. We don't come to recognize man. We don't come to draw attention to ourselves. We come to have everything that we can hopefully focus our attention and focus our thoughts upon him who is our savior and who is our God. And so so we want to love him. And we love him by worship. We love him by expressing to him who who we know that he is and what we know that he has done. Express our love to him that way. Loving one another. We're going to see in a minute, we're going to look at the, in the book of Acts, at Acts chapter 2. And we're going to see where all these are really drawn from as we started years ago. But the whole idea of loving one another, caring for one another. If you read the New Testament epistles, one of the things that you cannot miss, if you read them carefully at all, is that over and over and over again, the Apostle Paul uses one little phrase, one another, love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another bear one another's burdens, exhort one another, discipline one another. Over and over there's just these these one another passages where the apostle is pointing to the church and saying, you have a responsibility to one another. You have a responsibility to love one another and care for one another. And that's the second part of our whole purpose for existence. Love God first, that's preeminent, that's supreme, but then to love one another. As, As we leave here today, we will Take our charis offering that we always do at the end of after a Lord's Supper service. That's in addition to our budget offering, in addition to our missions offering. It's given it's given for one purpose, and that is to be able to help minister to those within our body who have specific needs. We have budget items for, for people outside the church and we help people all the time in things other than just angel tree. But we have this charis offering that goes strictly to minister to the needs of those who are within our body. That's a part of loving one another. We have it ready in case a need arises. And just this past year, considerable amount of money has been used for people within our body who have hit hard times and difficult situations, and we've helped them through it. Not with large amounts of money, but with enough to keep them from having to stress over it and be able to help them get beyond that. that that's a part of loving one another. But it goes beyond just giving an offering. It, go, it goes to looking at one another and, and seeing a need and not having to call a pastor and say, hey, this person has a need, but seeing a need and meeting it. And, and I could tell you stories that I know of, and I know that I just know a small amount of situations in this body where a need has arisen, someone in the body has seen it, not even a good friend of the person, not somebody that they run in the same circle of, but they've seen that need and they've met that need quietly, many times anonymously, but in order to see that a brother or sister in Christ is not suffering and not hurting in a, in a time of a specific need in reaching the world we set out from the very beginning to to uh, be a mission church an evangelistic and a mission-minded church and we we adopted a people group in Peru and have worked with those there in the in the River Valley for the last five years going there teams every year to to take the gospel and encourage believers who are there and and to build up churches in those villages where there were none other than a false church that had nothing to do with Christianity. And we have seen those things happen. We we concentrate on reaching our community here, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a few minutes, seeing our responsibility as missionaries and evangelists and, and those who take the gospel of Jesus Christ to those whom we come in contact with. So, from the very beginning, that's been our purpose love God, love one another, and take the gospel to our world. That's not at all unlike what it was in that early church in the book of Acts. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 2, if you would. We've looked at this passage on numerous occasions before, but I thought it would be a good reminder as we spend this day thinking about our eighth anniversary as a body of believers called Grace Baptist Church. That's why I chose the title of the sermon. Uh, where I wrote, you know, the old is new and the new is old. Uh, You know, some things never change. Some things take on a little different appearance occasionally. Sometimes they, they, they are crafted a little differently. Sometimes they are dressed a little differently. But in reality, that which is old, that is the gospel itself, which Paul said, I'm not ashamed of, for it's the power of God for salvation, that which is old is still very new. And that which is new today, if it's not predicated on that which is old, is not true. And so we come to a point of recognizing that we are a body of believers who are are contemporary because we live in a contemporary culture. But we are traditional and old because we are founded upon, based upon, nothing short of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's important for us to remember on this day of celebration. I want you to follow on. I'm going to read a lengthy passage, more than I normally read. Remember, I'm going to add to what's in the bulletin today. Starting in verse 14 of Acts chapter 2, you'll recognize this immediately as the day of Pentecost, 40 days after our Lord has departed and the church is meeting there in Jerusalem. Hear what takes place there in Peter's sermon. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, that is those who were around, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk. That must have been a celebratory situation when the Holy Spirit fell upon those disciples in that upper room. Uh, The People were saying they were so excited, they were so thrilled, they were so exuberant that they must be drunk. Peter said, they're not drunk. It's only the third hour of the day, only 9 o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my Spirit, and they shall prophesy, that is, proclaim the truth of God. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, he just gave his text there, by the way, that was his text. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene. A man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, the very things Joel was talking about, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. It was the purpose and the plan of God predetermined from before the foundation of the world, but those men were responsible for their actions. Nothing's changed. We are responsible for God for belief, for faith. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it is impossible for him to be held by its power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted, rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. For you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. There David was talking about the resurrection of our Lord. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried And his tomb is still with us today. He said, David wasn't talking about himself. David was talking about the son of David, the Messiah, who would yet come. David died. Peter says, listen, I want to give you testimony right now. Peter, uh, David died, and he was buried, and his tomb is here. He's still in his tomb. He's decaying just like every human being does. He was talking about the Lord. He said, David's tomb is still with us to this day. And so... Because he, that is David, was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead. He looked ahead and he spoke of the resurrection of Christ. That he was neither abandoned to Hades, that is the realm of the dead, nor did his flesh suffer decay. He did not stay in the tomb. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. You know, so often we only think about the resurrection as being a central point of our thinking around Easter time. We have a special celebration of the resurrection. Peter says, I want you to understand, everything that we say and everything that we believe is predicated upon that resurrection. Everything that we say, we're we're saying because these apostles were witnesses to it. They saw it and they bear witness now. He said he was raised up, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain That God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. You know, that was a bold sermon that Peter preached. Looking in the faces of the religious people and the religious leaders of that day who were instrumental in placing him on the cross. Now, understand it wasn't just them. The Romans were, were not without their own guilt. And right on down till today, we were not without our guilt in putting him there because it was sin that put him there. You can't blame the Jewish authorities alone. You can't blame the Romans alone. You, you have to bear some of that responsibility ourselves because it was sin that put him there. But Peter boldly says to them, listen, he, God has made him Lord and Christ, Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. It's amazing, Peter got to say another word. But it says in verse 37, Now when they heard this, those who were standing around were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, that you, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. With many other words, he solemnly testified, and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and there were that day added about 3,000 souls, 3,000 people. And one day, who heard the word, were pierced to the heart by the Holy Spirit, by the word of God, and said, what do we do? And Peter said, you repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be baptized as an evidence of your discipleship and as an evidence of your faith and your crucifixion to self and resurrection, newness of life. And, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit and be used of him. 3,000 people. Then what happened? Well... Luke tells us in verse 42, after they were baptized, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. When the presence of God is there, there is a sense of awe. When God is moving by His Holy Spirit and by the gospel, there's a sense of awe that we stand before a holy and a mighty God. And they were feeling that. They were sensing, feeling this sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together. They had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions, and they were sharing them with all as one might have need. understand something here, just an aside, because... I heard somebody say this this past week, that Christianity was the first model of communism. It was not, it is not, and it never will be. Communism declares you give your stuff up. These people are are freely, out of a sense of ministry and a sense of love, giving to one another, meeting one another's needs. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of a person's life. They, They don't hoard for themselves, they share with others. They were selling their property and possessions, were sharing them with all as anyone might have a need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. What's old is new. And what's new is is old. And as we come to this day, we need to remember that and think about that. This, this church saw the power of the Holy Spirit move, not because of their methods, not because of their ecclesiastical plans as was sung about earlier, not because they had a good idea, but because they looked to the Lord Jesus Christ, they submitted themselves to His authority, submitted themselves to His Lordship, and the Holy Spirit moved among them, changed their hearts and lives, and they went out and changed the world. Literally took a world that was in confusion in every sort of way. As a matter of fact, we look at our world today and we say, boy, we are in a confused world. People are calling that which is right, wrong, and that which is wrong, right. They're calling that which ought to be seen as darkness, light, and that which ought to be seen as light, darkness, and something to be avoided. I mean, we live in a world that is totally turned upside down as far as morality and truth goes. But I want you to understand something. The world in which Jesus came and the world in which Pentecost took place was in the Roman Empire... And it was not a whole lot different from where we are today. Their morality was as confused as ours. Their view of what was right and what was wrong was just as confused as ours. And in the midst of that, the Lord Jesus Christ came gave himself as a sacrifice, gave his Holy Spirit to the church, and the church blew out the walls of everything around them, and they went out into the world, and they saw that world righted in a very real sense. Not everybody, not everything, not every person, but a lot of people came to faith in Christ because that church, that early church, 3,000 people, it seems like, started that thing. Eleven apostles... And they went out and they began to speak about the resurrection of Christ. They began to speak about the need of man and the rebellion of man and the plan of God. And they saw that world impacted in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. There's no reason that can't take place today. Except for one thing. The church is awfully silent. The church is awfully quiet. I don't mean get involved in politics. I don't mean the church going out and and forgetting the gospel and and trying to change things socially and politically and and otherwise. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about they're too silent in sharing the gospel. You notice there in, in verse 42, there are four elements there that I think are the key elements to a healthy church, the key elements to a church that's going to impact their culture. The first one is they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, it doesn't just say they read their Bibles. It doesn't just say they went to church every now and then or even often. It says they were continually... I don't think I have to define continually, to you? But they were doing it always. They were doing it without ceasing. They, They were doing it because they wanted to. They were continually devoting themselves. Not that they were casually listening. Not that they were hearers of the word but not doers of the word. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were hearing the apostles teach week after week, day after day, and they couldn't get enough of it. They were devouring it spiritually. How hungry are you for God's word? How hungry are you not for for entertainment, not, not just to have your ears tickle, but how, how hungry are you for God's Word? I mean, that, that's really what Luke is talking about here. That early church made a difference because they weren't all caught up in everything else. we got so many distractions. I mean, we're so distracted in our day. And, and with good things, don't get me wrong. With, with good things, that we fail to continually devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the Word of God as our source and as our strength. That's what we must have. They, they were continually doing that. It says they were also continually devoting themselves to fellowship, being together. You know, we live in a day when people come to church and can't wait for the amen so they can shoot for the door and say they've been to church (coughs) there's no fellowship in that there's no sharing a common treasure in that there's no interacting with the body in that they were fellowshipping together they were laughing together they were taking their meals together it said going house to house eating together tonight we're gonna have a great time for fellowship there is biblical basis for eating at fellowships it's not that's not the basis of it basis of it is that shared commitment to jesus christ But there's nothing wrong with getting together and having a good meal together. And if you've never been to one of our soup and sandwich meals, you need to be here tonight. Because we'll have some great fellowship alongside some great soups and great sandwiches as we get ready for this Thanksgiving week. We're fellowshipping together. You can't love somebody you don't know. You can't love somebody you don't know. And in fellowship, they came to know one another to know what they were thinking, to know where their hurts were, to know what their needs were, to know know how to pray for one another. And they were continually devoting themselves to being together for fellowship. It it is one of my great joys on Sunday to be generally about one of the last two or three people to leave here and, and be here for a long time because we're gathered in that foyer out there just fellowshipping, just being together. I love it that sometimes we're a long time leaving because we want to be together, I want to see that for all of us. I want to see, you know, I want to see us moving about so that we sit by people we don't know and we can spend a little time getting to know them and sharing that time because that's what the early church did. This says they were breaking the bread. Now, it says later they were sharing meals together. I think this breaking bread is totally different from sharing a meal. The meal comes with the fellowship time. When when Luke talks about the breaking of bread here, they were committing themselves to breaking of bread. He's talking about what we did just about 30 minutes ago worshiping through the Lord's Supper, sharing in that memorial meal together, remembering His grace, remembering His sacrifice. And sharing together around that table and to prayer. Praying for one another. Praying for not just somebody's physical needs. You know, not just praying that that God would heal somebody. Nothing wrong with praying that. But praying that God will move among our fellowship in a, with a mighty movement of His Holy Spirit. Praying that God will bring men and women to repentance who need to come to repentance. Praying that the Holy Spirit will do a work that changes lives, not just on the day of salvation, but changes lives con- continually in a walk of sanctification in Him. They were praying. Praying that God would go outside their walls, outside their meetings, and affect the world in which they lived. You know, we live in a day where by all polls people say oh, I don't, I don't know how to share the I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know how to talk to somebody about Christ. I'm afraid I might be rejected. I'm afraid I might be embarrassed. I'm afraid any number of excuses given. Folks, I think what happened here, when they started sensing a sense of awe, feeling a sense of awe, sensing that presence of the Holy Spirit in their body life as they worshiped together, and then in their own personal lives as it went out from there, changed by the Holy Spirit, they felt that sense of awe and they had to tell somebody about it. I remember now, I guess you tell everybody about it on social media, you know, that's when something good happens. When I got engaged, 40, Something years ago, uh, we didn't have Facebook. I couldn't get a, put a picture on there. And but I tell you what, when Reta said yes, I was—I told everybody I could see. You know, everybody I came in contact with. Oh, I'm got engaged this week. Retta Landers is going to marry me. You know, I, it was—it was a thrilling time. Something happened that was good. Let me tell you what—that—that that was good. But that wasn't anything like what happens when you really come to know Christ. And it's it's inconceivable that you wouldn't tell somebody about that. Inconceivable. So we want to make the year 2015 a year of focusing on not just Peru and other places we'll be going internationally this year, but focusing on Somerset. And helping you to focus on your sphere of influence, your sphere of ministry, whether it's the people you work with or the people you live with or the people you go to ball games with or, or whatever, just being able to simply share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In your worship, you got a little pamphlet there. This is fairly new stuff. It's old, but it's new. And it's new, but it's old. And that is just a, a way to kind of open a conversation about the gospel. Through, through three circles I mean I, I'm not going to read this to you I could but I'll, I want to just kind of share with you the essence of it and you can take this read it study it learn it know about it and use it I, I used it a couple of weeks ago with somebody with a napkin and a pen just drew three circles some arrows I can draw circles and arrows that's about the length that's about the extent of my artistic talent but I can draw circles and arrows And in this way, basically draw three circles. The first circle says, what is God's design? Well, God's design was was a beautiful world. He said it was all good. He planned a design for man to have fellowship with him. But that first era points to sin came into the world through our federal head, Adam, through our representative, Adam. and, 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 And because sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve, we now are born into a world that is full of sin, and we are sinners ourselves. Well, sins least to brokenness. A world that's in confusion. You don't believe the world's in confusion? Pick up a newspaper. Turn on the news. It's a world that's in confusion and chaos. But, but there, is a, there, there is an answer to that. And the answer is what Peter talked about at Pentecost. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when repentance comes and the gospel is believed, there's a recovery and purpose in life that comes. You were in this brokenness situation here this morning. You're a Christian. Every single one of us was there because of sin. But when we heard the gospel and the Holy Spirit opened our eyes to see the gospel and our hearts to believe the gospel, we repented of our sin and we believed the gospel of Jesus Christ and then we were given a new purpose and a new goal and a, and a recovery for the life in which we live. I mean, you take that... It's just a conversation guide and 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 you sit down with anybody now you say well that that may not answer all their questions it won't and you say well i don't know all the answers well start devoting yourselves to the apostles teaching and learning the answers you don't have to be a theologian or a pastor you don't have to go to seminary to be able to share the gospel if that were the case the gospel never would have gotten out of jerusalem folks Never would have gotten past Pentecost. There'd been three thousand people in heaven, and that'd been it, because it doesn't require that. I love what J.I. Packer wrote in, in a little introduction to a book by David Wells called "God the Evangelist." And you've heard me say this before, many of you. But, but Packer writes there that you know the early movement of the church, even in America, and some of the awakenings, and in Wells in some of the great awakenings there. It came not because there were great preachers, not because they were, they were great theologians, but it became because the people got, were grabbed hold of by the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And, and it, it spread like, as Packer said, it spread like a prairie fire across this whole nation as it existed back several hundred years ago. And he said it wasn't because of preachers, it wasn't because of methods, Evangelism explosion and three circles conversation guide and everything else that's been developed in all these years, wasn't anywhere around. Packer said the gospel spread. Now get this. I love this phrase. The gospel spread because those who came to know Jesus Christ gossiped the gospel. Didn't have mass meetings, didn't have big seminars, didn't even have mega churches. They individually, as believers, gossiped the gospel. Now, when we think of gossip, we think of something negative, don't we? We think of gossip, it's talking about somebody, it's telling something that probably ought not be telling. But in Packer's view, there is a good type of gossip. And and gossip is something you just kind of share with somebody else. You don't stand up in front of a group of people and say, Hey, I want to tell you all something that happened. I want to tell you what Todd Meadows did yesterday. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't embarrass him like that. probably just did. But I wouldn't embarrass him like that. But I, I might say, Scott, do you know what Todd did yesterday? And that would be sin. But if I went to Scott or somebody or one of you and said, Hey, you know what Jesus Christ did in my life? You know what the Holy Spirit of God did in my life? Let me tell you, I was in sin. Man, I was in rebellion. I I was running from God. And God's Word captivated me. And I repented. And I believed in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. But he also said that all who believe shall be saved. All who put their faith in Christ shall be saved. And Jesus said in John 10, And I will turn nobody away that comes to me in faith. And you can tell that. You can share that. You can express that. Just in gossiping the gospel. I want want to see Grace Baptist Church in 2015 be known as a gossiping church. But not like most Baptist churches are known as a gossiping church. I want to be known as a church who has men and women, young people who have been so captivated by the grace of God so changed by their encounter with Jesus Christ and empowerment by His Holy Spirit that they are praying and they are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the Word. They are fellowshipping with one another and caring for one another and loving one another. And they're gossiping the gospel. I'd love for the end of next year have heard stories throughout this community. Your church is a real gossiping church. But all they talk about is the gospel. Would that be great? Would that be God honoring? Would that be glorious? <laughs> you bet you it would. You know, I, I can get real sentimental here. And I won't. But I thank God for what He's given us. Scott Vasalya called me on Thursday night. We'd played telephone tag all week. He, sh- he led in worship last Sunday. If you were here, you know that. And he said, There's no place like grace. He lives over in eastern Kentucky. He said, I I, I just I just worshiped the whole time, trying to lead worship. Saying so the people responded. The people, you could see it in their faces. They were, they were glorying in Christ. They were worshiping the Lord. And, and he said, I want to come back. I said, well, you're welcome anytime. But you see, the, the thing is, there's a difference. There's a difference when we're submitting to the Spirit. There's a difference when we are acknowledging him as Lord. He who was made Lord and Christ by the Father. Who ascended to the Father and sent his Holy Spirit. To indwell us. To strengthen us. And to shape us in his image. Let's go out and gossip the gospel. Let's pray. Holy Father, I thank you that that which is old is new and that which is new is old. I thank you that we don't recreate the gospel. We don't rewrite the gospel. We don't change it. We just submit to it. Father, when we are like this early church and we truly know Christ, it affects everything in our life. Father, I pray for men and women who are sitting under my voice this morning who do not know Christ. I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will move in their lives right now will open their eyes to see their need for Christ and their eyes to see Christ as Savior, the only Savior. And Lord, touch their hearts with your grace to believe. Father, I pray today that men and women, young people that don't know you, would confess Christ this very day. Father, I pray for others who need to be renewed by your Holy Spirit. They're believers. But they've let other things so crowd the gospel out of their lives that they're distracted from what your will is and your purpose is in their life. Father, I pray right now your Holy Spirit will point out their sin and, Lord, break them before you. Father, we praise you. We thank you for what you have done and what you are doing and what you're going to do. And Father, I pray that one day, if you don't return before then, that this church will gather with a whole new set of pastors and a whole new body and celebrate their 175th anniversary. And they will be found then, even as we are now, glorying in your cross, believing your gospel, and gossiping that gospel to this community. Thank you, Father, for the grace you've shown us in Jesus Christ. Oh man.